Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kinda like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sorta like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Welcome on to the last Hollinger and Duncan of 2023. John, we have much to discuss. You went to the G League Showcase. We're going to talk about everything that you heard and saw there. Uh, And then uh, we got to talk the topic du jour, Detroit Pistons. And uh, hopefully we can get into a little bit of trade stuff uh, as well. So let's begin, John. You know, you wrote a column. Maybe you can summarize it for our listeners and just be careful what you wish for on a rebuild because you might lose 27 games in a row and counting. Yeah, I... I think people tend to us underestimate how long of a wander through the desert, so to speak, is involved in a typical down to the studs rebuild because we tend to focus on the ones that worked either re- relatively quickly or with almost no no time at the bottom at all. Um, and especially the ones where where you're talking about a team that because a lot a lot of fans tend to be in this mindset where okay if we're not if we're not going to be awesome let's just blow it up and that there's there's no point in winning 46 games which I I push back on that a little bit just because that you need this incredibly fortunate set of circumstances to end up with a with a great team uh, almost no matter what and so you're kind of you're kind of scenario where you end up with a middling pick and end up with with Giannis or Curry or uh, or even a late one with with Jokic like I, I don't know if you necessarily have to go all the way to the bottom to pull that off now there there are advantages to doing a full-on teardown in terms of what you can do with the cap and uh you know taking in picks from other teams and then obviously your own pick should be better although they've reduced a lot of the incentives for tanking too uh so so that part isn't as locked in but th- there are so many situations where you see teams that are that are several years in between their their playoff runs and mismanagement definitely plays a part of it and missing on draft picks but those high picks even even the highest ones are an inexact science i mean look at as a group how bad the nba is with the second pick in the draft you know number <laughs> 2 right and so uh i I, I just think that there's there are cer- certain situations where it's absolutely the right thing to do because it's just that hopeless. But I feel like it's this reflexive mindset from fans that, okay, we're just average. We need to tank now. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if that's the thing you really want to do. All right. So a, a number of responses to that, I mean, and, and vis-a-vis the Pistons in particular, I, I would argue that when these rebuilds fail, generally the reason to me that they have failed is that you don't actually really embrace the rebuild 
build or not, that you're too reluctant to do it at the beginning, right? So uh, the Pistons to me are, are a pretty good window into some of this, right? Instead of, all right, they tried to build up with their uh, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson core, and you might say, hey, all right, they finally made it back to the playoffs in 2016. They're competitive against the Cavs. Then the next year they have some injuries, uh, don't make the playoffs again. You know, Reggie Jackson misses like half the year. Frankly, would probably never really be fully the same player after that. You know, Drummond, it looked like he might be an ascendant player with what he's doing at age, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, but mm-hmm. he never develops any further, you know, never really gets into amazing shape. So that that stalls out. And at that point, they then decide, oh, we're going to trade more future assets. Tobias Harris, who's on a great contract, making $16 million a year, a first-round pick that became Miles Bridges to go get Blake Griffin. And they make one. So that to me is kind of the original sin. And yes, then totally agree. by the time, if you wait to do the rebuild until there's a gun to your head and it's just like, hey, you know what? We're only going to win 30 games anyway. And we have no future assets. You know, same thing with like, you know, the Charlotte Kemba Walker deal, right? Like, so you said 46 games. Like, yeah, all right, if you're winning 46 games, you actually have a playoff team that's decent. And particularly if you have, you know, some decent young guys or like homegrown guys that can continue to grow with the team. Like, I do understand that. Uh, But on the other hand, uh, like, you know, even if the Brooklyn Nets right now, for example, were like had all their draft picks going for it. I wouldn't necessarily say that they should be trying to rebuild. They have a good team. They have some young guys that they're excited about. And yeah, just continue to kind of build. But once the era reaches its logical conclusion, like it's the Branch Rickey thing, move on from guys a year too early versus a year too late. Because the big problem with the Pistons was they started this rebuild with, you know, $19 million a year and dead money of Blake Griffin, probably even more than that, I think. Yeah, because I guess they didn't stretch him. So, you know, they had like a couple of years of just like totally dead money from Blake Griffin clogging their books. They tried to use cap space to sign some guys, but the Pistons have never been plus picks during this period. In fact, they're, they've been out one, which will probably never convey at this stage. And like, you know, the Kings, when they're in the wilderness for a while, we talked about this all the time. They're like minus picks going forward instead of plus picks. So to delay it too long to where you can't even really do the cap space, take on assets, get a bunch of future picks the way like an OKC did or Utah. So by being aggressive and doing it a year too early, it makes the pain a lot easier and then you're not as reliant on just okay we got one year that we're we get the number one pick and we got to do to win it with this uh, or we're just not going to have it uh and you've got you know so many bites at the apple and you can grab guys in the middle of the first rot you know a jalen williams type of guy like you have enough bites at the apple that even if drafting is an inexact science you're going to get somebody yeah so i mean i think we've seen this where where with where with teams like uh, like Washington's a good example where it had run its course and they were kind of in denial about it. Yeah, and so that's and so that's that's sort of the opposite side of that coin. And I, you know, we had a situation like that in Memphis where we sort of knew it was over in 2017, but still tried to beat our heads against the wall for two more years. And we were fortunate that we didn't lo- really lose on trade value much with uh, with Mark and Mike because that yeah well you could you probably could have gotten more for for mark if you we could have gotten more for mark if we'd gone earlier but mike because the way his contract was we would have probably had to wait those two years anyway um so i i I don't know that it really hurt that much overall and you also lost enough games in 2018 due to the injuries anyway to get well we well yeah we ended up with with jared anyway so that that was the other factor yeah actually it you know sort of inadvertently uh 
well, at first inadvertently and then extremely vertently uh, tanking in, in 18 <laughs> um, and then uh, ending up with l- lucky into Morant, moving up from nine to two in 19. Obviously, that speeded that rebuild incredibly. Uh it's 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 still really interesting to 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 for, for me to look back at that and and w- wonder what it would look like if we had just ripped the bandaid right away. Yeah, I mean, but you, you make a good point uh, on Conley there. I mean, yeah, so like twenty seven because you still twenty seventeen. You know, you I don't think you guys won in like the high forties. Like you're competitive in the first round against a sixty one win Spurs team. So yeah. I, I think you know at that point it's like it's not obvious. You know, maybe after the eighteen season you're going a, a little bit earlier, but then you know you traded Gasol at the trade deadline in 19 so I, yeah. you know, I don't know that he would have gotten so much more for him in the offseason but yeah I mean that one you know like there was really you weren't sort of you didn't throw good money after bad the way the Pistons did or the way the Kings did you know with the like signing guys like Rajon Rondo because Vivek wanted to move up to winning 50 <laughs> games <laughs> you know or like not trading a guy who was about to be a free agent in Kemba Walker uh, as well right like so to me if you look at the teams that actually kind of did it right, like Process Sixers, OKC, both times, you know, the ones who actually really accumulated assets by making the move pretty early, right? Like uh, OKC, remember that whole thing started with trading Ray Allen uh, for the fifth overall pick that became Jeff Green. Actually, wasn't that great of a selection, but they moved into a new era, you know, really after only one year of struggling. Yeah. So that like those those are the the ones where they do it right and it works out pretty well. Like Utah is going to be another one. I mean, I think now not everybody can trade a Paul George or a Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. Although a lot of people also would just hold on to those guys until their trade value had dissipated. Uh, and Paul George did kind of want out. Russell Westbrook they moved him as well, even though he's a franchise icon. So there's some people are certainly you know the Pistons with Tobias Harris and you know Andre Drummond and those guys like wouldn't have really you know to move on from those guys at that time wasn't maybe that viable but okay at least you don't like then be out more picks and more cap space in the future so i I think that's really kind of where it started for detroit um i don't know anything else on that i mean i I understand what you're saying i think it is and also i mean i think like detroit just hasn't done a good job over these four years too right yeah now yeah there was not and there's a few things all right like signing grant like i guess that kind of worked out you know but they 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 definitely they've operated like oh maintain flexibility cap space but they also have never actually gotten a first round trick pick by using their cap space or trading a player other than the one Jeremy Grant trade, which is not that great of a pick. Yes. Yes. And they've, you know, you could argue like, and they're still, you know, they hung on to Bogdanovich, they hung on to Burks. Um, yeah. And they might still get something for Bogdanovich. I don't know what they're going to get for Burks at this point. So just a, just a lot of mistakes. And, uh, you know, obviously the whole like Wiseman Bagley silliness, um, just a, just a bad scene all around yeah i think they're like yeah Cade is not like the 1a guy though he started to show some signs a little bit lately. awesome awesome la- uh, second half last night against yeah. against brooklyn but you know that's one half of one game you look at the wider body of work and i, I think what we're saying here still applies yeah well washington is going to be a fascinating test case because i think now they have the commitment clearly to take guys on but they waited a little bit too long they did get something for bradley beal they re-signed kuzma we'll see what happens with him the jordan pool trade is looking pretty ugly yeah. right now uh th- that seems like they lost that one to only get a top 20 protected first 
uh, to take on Poole's contract, but you know, he might also help them lose some games. <laughs> but as as we'll talk Tank about, commander. yeah, <laughs> yeah, as, as we'll talk about in a second. You know, the 2024 drafts not looking amazing, although their prospects for being better in 25 are not great. Uh, I would say at the moment. So, uh, and they definitely waited too long, right? Like they could have. I mean, that's the other thing that I always point to is if you just wait to rebuild when it's obvious you have to rebuild, you're gonna you're just elongating the whole thing, right? Like that that like you ultimately a team like the Pistons or the Wizards, like they don't have a choice. The the Hornets in 2019, like the choice will eventually be foisted upon you because you just either players' contracts or like the Raptors are kind of in this circumstance now too, and we'll we'll talk more about them of, yes. of like they're not any good. I mean, they they really were. They didn't realize that they're in this situation last year. Now they're in this situation this year. Like, what is the trade value of Pascal Siaka? What is the trade value of OG Ananobi compared to this time last year when they could have acknowledged reality then? And so you wasted another year of like trying to throw good money after bad. They make the trade for Pirtle as well. Like, they're a perfect example to me of just waiting too long and not accepting reality. And now they're going to be in the wilderness for even longer. You've got first the time where you threw good money after bad and still weren't any good chasing after you know some eighth seed destiny that you're not going to get and now the wilderness will be even longer because they didn't pull the band-aid off sooner and so you're looking at you know instead of like a two three year timeline to get back to relevance it's a couple years wasted at the beginning and then the end part is longer too then that ends up being three four years and now you're just looking at like you know a seven eight year window of just you know complete non-contention the way like a charlotte is right now or sacramento or detroit Detroit or stuff like that. Um, all right. Well, that, that was probably a longer soliloquy on that than I expected. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John and Benedict used PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War One battleship, broke down all the time. Just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not 
a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. I think it is now time, John, to rule a team out of the playoffs because that uh, fits perfectly <laughs> with the discussion. In fact, yes. I think we need to do two teams. We only have, uh, we've only shoveled dirt on three teams each uh, so far here. The last time we did this was November 22nd. So okay. I, I think we got to get to at least two teams here. And uh, Washington, Detroit, and Portland are already gone. And uh, it is my pick here. And we took, we took the same three teams? We did, yeah, in okay. the same order. And uh, I think we're going to take the same fourth team. Oh, my God. How do, how do we not pick them already? Well, because they had just won like a couple of games in Phoenix, you know, a little bit ago. And it looked like they had they actually have some talent. We just look at what's on paper for them. And they're not this bad. The Spurs, theory. the Spurs winning back to back games in Phoenix may be the biggest upset in the history of sports. Like, I, I can't rule that out yet. Uh, Phoenix might actually suck, John. Well, they, there's a chance <laughs> of that, too. Yeah, that, that's the well, other and I think I think one of those games they didn't have Booker. The second I think game Bo- was Booker, probably the crazier Booker one. Booker didn't play the first game, and it was his first game back from injury in the second game, and he was like really bad the first half and then was awesome the second half. I was at that game. So, yes, the San Antonio Spurs. I think – yeah. Can we, do you know what the team motto is for the San Antonio Spurs this year? Uh, remember the, uh, I don't know, remember the something? Uh, no. Remember, no. remember when Greg Popovich used to be a good coach? Uh, the the team motto is, thank God for the Pistons. Because this team <laughs> sucks and nobody is talking about it. I mean, this team just absolutely royally sucks. And I, they are getting such a pass because of the Pistons. Yeah, the Pistons are actually like a big story right now. Like the crowd was all getting into it, hoping they were going to break the streak last night. That uh, did not happen, of course, in the end. But yeah, I mean, like they they just like lost at home, like non-competitively to the Jazz last night. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, how are, like, how are they this bad? Like, I, I don't, they should not be this bad. They have a negative 12 net rating. That's like impossible. Yeah, wow. That's truly atrocious. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Utah's motto is thank God for uh, the Pistons and the Spurs. <laughs> Pretty much. Beaten yeah. both of them on this road trip. Utah's somehow 13 and 18. They've won They're six like of eight. Just, just barely clinging to relevance still. Yeah, they've won 3.2 games uh, more than expected. Um, yeah, so where did the Spurs go from here then? If we're going to do kind of a post mortem uh, on them, um, so I, I think they've they've started at least to push towards something a little more viable with you know Wembenyama starting at five and Zach Collins not starting at all. Uh, Malachi Branham has pictures of somebody. They got to get him out of the lineup. Uh, they still seem really reluctant to play Trey Jones, even though they seem to function best 
when he's out there. Uh, bigger picture, I mean, they're, they're not that good regardless of who they play. I mean, Vassell is probably their one true starting caliber guy. Keldon Johnson's been a little disappointing this year. He's coming off the bench now. Uh, you know, Wembenyana has been good. Like, he's had his, his moments. Right now, he's he's like a high-usage bad shot guy. And so they, they need to clean that up and get him easier looks. And I think just having a real point guard would help so much. The decision to cut Cameron Payne, I think, is is looming pretty large. Uh, like, just like a this. halfway decent veteran point guard. I know he's looking. He, Cameron Payne. He's still an out awful there to shoot, passer. But. Like so, someone who would be the same quality of campaign, but like who actually makes a pass every once in a while. I think would be a little bit better. Like campaign is like like Trey Jones. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, Trey, not even necessarily as good as Trey Jones. Even like oh, you De- know Devontae, Ish Smith or something, Devontae right? Graham. Like, yeah, Curtin. Devontae Graham. Like not playing at all is a little odd. Currently uh, in witness protection. Yeah, I mean, I think like there was a time when Devontae Graham was almost like a start. They the Hornets or sorry Hornets. Well, really out of it. The Pelicans traded a first round pick to the Hornets to get Devontae Graham and yes. pay him that contract that they then had to dump. He, he's not awful, I don't think. Like I don't know what like he's undersized, sure, but like he's terrible on defense. But he could shoot a little bit and pass. Like he, he would actually be somewhat complimentary on this team potentially. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of kind of bizarre that he isn't playing. And then they're just they're just re- you know they're just bad from top to bottom on defense. And they, I mean, I guess they, I guess defense is the good part of the team because they're twenty fifth, right? <laughs> yeah, and they've been like semi competent since uh, since Wembenyama uh, started playing more around the basket defensively. But I, I mean, I, I think I got asked this in my chat yesterday. I want to get your take on it. What should the Spurs be working on developing right now with Victor Wembenyama? Well, what's what's the highest order priority? I guess is is the question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as you watch him, what are the things where you're like, hey, we want to put him in these situations? We the, these are the skills that we really, you know, are the highest priority for him to develop to make him into an NBA superstar. I mean, I would say catching and scoring against a switch. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's that's reasonable. Like that's and you know maybe that ends up just being a, a mid ranger because he's not strong enough, but he's got like this amazing catch radius. So if you like, he's not that strong, but if you try to front him, you can. It's so easy to just throw the ball over the top to him you know as one way to do that my answer in the chat available on dunkdown prime will be in your email boxes today on our newsletter was just teaching him how to use his size at the nba level to play with great effort throughout you know however many minutes he's going to be playing just impact as many shots as possible at the rim and then you know offensive rebounding rolling to the basket like that this mid-range shit is great like that at some point you can develop that like the the development for most guys in the nba is you learn how to do the stuff that gets you on the court that makes you a winning player and then all that individual stuff can come in time and so i think making him saying hey look you have an eight foot wingspan you're seven foot four you're you've incredible mobility at that size let's teach you how to use that Let's make you an impact player on every possession that the other team has to deal with, most importantly defensively, but also on the offensive end. And then, yeah, you know, you want to be like this great isolation scorer, you know, we'll get there. But let's make you play with great effort and use your size and impact every possession with that size. Yeah, there's there. I mean, there's too many times where you don't feel him. And I think, again, like getting him closer to the basket, obviously, was a thing that that 
had to happen that is finally starting to happen. I mean, yeah. I will say I mean, there's still too many times to me when he just doesn't react defensively. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, you could take one step and you could be there. Yeah. And you're just not taking that step. So, and obviously, the state of things is probably like beating him down a little bit from an effort standpoint. But uh, yeah, and and I mean, then they really, if you look at this team, I mean, it's it's part of the takeaway of this season for the Spurs that some of these guys we thought were like pretty competent players just aren't any good. Like you know, a Kelvin Johnson or something. Like, is he just like not a starter? Is that is that something that we take away here from how bad they've been? Uh, yeah. Or I mean, Sohan I think has not made much progress at all be the other one that would be a kind of a red flag for me yeah Branham uh, Blake Wesley I mean, a lot of these guys have just been done nothing yeah well Blake Wesley hasn't even gotten on the floor I mean he's only played 51 yeah. minutes although his his G League minutes I'm not sure have been good enough to really earn much more no. than that but I I think that's that's very fair to look at this and again say okay Vassell's kind of the one guy that's <laughs> that that you really are sure you believe in going forward I, I mean Trey Jones I mean the numbers are better with him I think because of the the weaknesses that he offsets on that roster but but i do think he's probably a backup on a good team absolutely yeah unless he can continue to improve issue like his floater game has gotten a little bit better but yeah i mean i i would have him rank kind of in the 30 to 40 range probably among point guards um you know i think like his defense is interesting but it's not like they have like so much shooting yeah you know, the zach collins experiment i think the fact that he's really struggled to shoot the ball from three as frankly he has his entire career yeah and and now you know he's probably I think that there's maybe starting to be an understanding that like he and Wembenyama playing together is just not going to be a great combination, which when you extended him for what they extended him for, it doesn't yeah. feel great. Yeah. Little irrational exuberance there in that extension, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, that's one where they could have waited. Now, at least it's only two years and they'll still have another year of uh, cap space before Wembenyama hits, uh, gets his raise as a result of that contract. So, I, I mean, it's not the end of the world. They probably overpaid him just to only have to get two years, but then maybe yeah. you might acknowledge there's nobody lining up to do that necessarily. Anything else? So, so, I mean, I guess the lesson is they just got a lot of work to do here still. I mean, it's kind of the cell and Wembenyama and yeah. guys. Yeah. I mean, they, they need, they got to come up with an on-ball creator that they believe in. I, I think that's the biggest thing with this team right now. You, you don't think that's Sohan? <laughs> The, the biggest positive from from the first uh, third of the season from them is that we can safely rule that out. Right? We no longer have to debate that topic. Okay, your turn uh, to rule team out. Uh, well, it's got to be Charlotte. The uh, seven and twenty-one Lamelo's still out for a while, just playing makeshift lineups every night. Gordon Hayward just uh, hurt something. I'm sure we won't see him yeah, for three ca- months. Calf injury. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, uh, to his credit, he's actually come back from these like pretty pretty quickly this year. But yeah, it's uh, it's too bad. Uh, uh, yeah. By the way, on, on the Charlotte rebuilding thing, like. The Gordon Hayward signing is just a perfect, another perfect example of just, you know, the Batum stretch Hayward yeah. signing. Another perfect example of like, yeah, what like when these rebuilds go wrong, it's because they do moves like this. Yeah, yeah. Try to jump. Right? Like, jump so, so I think, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's just like when it's really kind of done right. I mean, I, I struggle to come up with examples where it hasn't gone that well, honestly. I mean, but there haven't been that many where it's truly been done right, I would say. I would say, um, I would say that's sort of true. But if you, do, if you don't hit on a star in the draft, 
Like you just, you, you, you just, you're not even started until you, until that happens. And so that's the part that's really tricky. Yeah. But you can also, I, I think there's still value in getting back to being a competent team, letting your fans at least watch these young players to figure out whether they can be that star or not is better than just kind of letting a, a dying era play out another year. So I, like, I, I agree with you. Obviously it's relying on the draft and it's harder to get to the top than it used to be. Uh, so like even Utah, yeah. like how bad would it look if they had not accidentally traded for an all-star for, for Larry Markkinen? Yeah. Yeah. But they would have all these picks going forward still. Right? They would like still they, have, they, would ha- they I mean, have, they had, they had to do those trades. Don't get me wrong. I mean, with what they were offered, I mean, that was an absolute yeah. no brainer. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, Charlotte's. I think it's been underrated just how many injuries they've actually had this year. Obviously, LaMelo, Brandon Miller has kind of been like in and out of the lineup, but he's always like questionable with some injury. Mark Williams is working on uh, a 10th straight missed game. He's had a number of absences. Hayward's been in and out. Rozier missed a month month with a groin issue. So they've never really, obviously, Miles Bridges suspended for the first 10 games. So they've never really had their team at any Uh, point. Literally true. Their top seven has played zero games together. I uh, had tip James Plowright for that one. But on the other hand, I don't think that they've shown enough promise individually. Like Bridges has fallen off a little bit. You know, he hasn't been as efficient from two. Like he he's very symbiotic with ball and he hasn't played that much with ball. So I think that's part of the issue there. But he hasn't shot it well uh, from three either. And, you know, I, I guess my question is... Like Hayward, they should trade him, of course. You know, P.J. Washington, if somebody wants him, sure. I don't think there's a first-round pick out there for him. Rozier, if you could get a first for him, like absolutely move him. Like He's playing well right now, but I think that yeah. contract could turn back into a pumpkin at any time. Like he, he's been, he shot uncharacteristically poorly last year, and he's kind of back around where he's been in Charlotte now. But if you can move him, you should, because that's another one where it could just fall apart at any time. They fucked up the building of this team by just having zero reserve guards, so the, there was no chance that they could deal with any injuries in the backcourt and yeah. of course they have now had them yep but if you think about Lamelo, if they bring back bridges mark williams brandon miller what do you think of that group as a team that could eventually like get into at least being a solid playoff team east I like, you know, you Lamelo, Williams, Miller. I th- I think that those three are like the key, and you got to figure out how to find pieces to put around them and do a better job of that than you've done the last few years. Very clearly, uh, you know, can Hayward's expiring contract be a part of that? Uh, is it, you know, is there trade value for for PJ Washington, like you said, who's just kind of leveled off and been a little bit of a disappointment, I think, after a pretty good rookie year. And and then you got to start hitting on draft picks. I mean, good God. Well, and the other thing is just they need a new GM and they probably need a new coach. I, I think Steve Clifford, there was hope that he could get these guys to punch above their weight defensively. And you know, the firing of James Borrego may have been one of these careful what you wish for type of things. Yeah. Because he at least got them to be like semi-competent defensively through a bunch of zones and switching and crap. I mean, they were never going to be good. And of course, their offense has fallen off a, a ton since the Borrego days uh, as well. But yeah, I mean, Clifford, his is the last year of his contract. I don't think he'll be fired during the season, but uh, unless they can kind of bring somebody new in Quinn Snyder style, which doesn't feel like a Charlotte type of move. No, but so I, I think would, we'll I just, would, yeah. I would expect new blood there after the season though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really, we haven't seen anything from Plot Schnall yet and perhaps this trade deadline will be an indication. But I mean, to me, why haven't they fired Cupjack yet? 
Like they they should have they should have had a new GM in place before this trade deadline. Yes, it's 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 very odd that they're letting this this full season play out before they really take any action. So yeah, I don't I don't know what's up with that. I don't know if they had like a wink wink promise with Jordan when they sold the team or what's going on. Well, as I I can't remember whether I said this on to Danny or to you, but if allowing the dead hand of Michael Jordan to continue to control the team up through the draft was uh, an indication of their negotiating prowess yeah, and their business yeah. acumen. You don't feel too good about things going yeah, forward. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, it's, I mean, you'd think anybody could be an upgrade on MJ, but, and these guys haven't given us any reason to think so yet because they're doing the exact, <laughs> they haven't yeah, made any changes. exactly. They're basically operating like zombie MJ right now, which is very bizarre. I mean, they even signed the guy from North Carolina to a two-way. Yeah, but but even this, I, I mean, you would think, all right, you get one more draft pick. I, I mean, this isn't the greatest draft. We'll talk about that. But uh, that's that, you know, getting one more piece in here with Miller, LaMelo, Mark Williams, like those should all be decent players. Like Miles Bridges, at least will be a starting caliber player if they re-sign him. Like they should approach competence pretty quickly with, with this group. The, the, I mean, one of the things is if they replace some of these horrible players with average ones, it'll it'll like bring up their floor quite a bit. So that, that could yeah, be a big deal. Houston, Houston style. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have such a good history in free agency. I think they should be able to do that pretty easy. Uh, okay. G League Showcase. So Charlotte, what, what was, your, Charlotte was your yeah. team to eliminate also then. <laughs> I thought briefly about Utah, but no, I think yeah. Charlotte just record wise is has won six fewer games than Utah. <laughs> and and I also like, I believe in like Will Hardy as a coach. Like it's, they, Utah's got the home court advantage. I mean, Utah will probably be my next pick, obviously, but they, they've got six more wins than Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Charlotte is always like totally snake bitten with injuries. And you could even possibly see Utah making, although the, the top 10 protected pick aspect for Utah too is something that makes you think that they're going to not make it. I know there's this noise like, oh, the Jazz want to get rid of this obligation. Like, if you can keep a top 10 pick, you keep a top 10 pick. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at Fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. So G League Showcase, first off, I wanted to ask you, were there any of the roster guys that popped to you who were down there? Like, I know Jairus Walker made all showcase team or, or, or whatever. Any of those guys that we just haven't seen much at the NBA level that you had some observations on? Um, I thought, you know, Kira Lewis from New Orleans, I thought played pretty well. Um, and he's a guy who's obviously <laughs> going to end up on, or I expect to end up on the trade market because of where the Pelicans <laughs> what, are. What makes you say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he'll almost certainly be on a new team. So I'm, I'm at least a little intrigued about what he can do 
uh, there. Uh, yeah, when you watch him, like he's got some shooting ability. He's pretty quick. He obviously had the the ACL that really sidetracked his development right in the middle of his uh, or right at the beginning of his second year. I mean, they have had a bunch of injuries at guard, and the fact that he has never been able to make it into the rotation is a little concerning. But like as you watch him, you don't think like, hey, this guy sucks. Like he has some things that he does. But five point four million for him is a little rough. So you yeah. think the Pels are going to have to pay to move him? Yeah, but yeah. good second draft guy. Might be worth worth taking a look at here. I mean, this is the, this is though he's already going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this year. Uh, yeah. So it's a, yeah, it's just, just a one year guy you're taking a look at, and then you, you'll see what he can do for you, um, and wh- whether you want to resign at that point. Um, Toronto two way Jonte Porter. I thought he played well. Uh, Left handed stretch big. Uh, looked to me like he was in maybe better shape than he was in in Memphis. Uh, a little further removed from some of the injuries too. So I think I think he's an interesting one to watch especially if the Raptors start moving into, you know, start moving other players out and it creates a little more uh, room for him to, to get on the floor. So he, he, he was definitely one that uh, stood out to me a little bit. He made the all-tournament team too. Uh, a lot of these guys that I saw were two ways and or second round picks. So lower lower on the food chain. And so it's it's a little tougher to to scale, you know, what you actually think. I I will say, um, like I saw Miami's guys, and they had all three of their two ways and Jovic playing, and they still got smoked. Um, so I I don't know if this is the year that Sioux Falls produces like a big impact player for the Miami Heat. Let's let's just put it that way. What about Jarris Walker? I mean, he was he was good, you know. He was especially like, like, like how what did he do to make the all tournament team? Uh, he was, I mean, he was the number eight overall pick who was playing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was, (laughs) he wasn't that good in the championship game against New York. I thought New York defensively was, or Westchester, I should say, was actually really good, really together. Uh, Ghana Jop, the coach there, I thought he did a great job with that team. So he'd be a guy to watch out for. Um, I thought it, Walker was better in the earlier games in the quarterfinal and semifinal where, I mean, he was able to, to get where he wanted, uh, off the dribble against other bigs, shot the ball. Okay. Was an impact defender at this level. So, uh, you know, he looked, he looked good, but it wasn't quite total domination either. So you weren't like, oh yeah, this guy's just too good for this level. Like you weren't quite saying that. Yeah. I I think the biggest things that I look for is just, can you shoot it well enough to at least be a threat out there? And then, you know, do you really feel him defensively? Because like we said, it's a little troubling that the Pacers desperately need his ostensible skill set and he's just been on ice the whole year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they went back to Jalen Smith starting at four uh, last night in Houston. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, So let's see. What else do we need to talk about here? I guess we can... What about Ignite? Any any takes there? Yeah, I mean, these... The whole thing with the NBA being in the player development business is just weird, right? And I think it started as a defensive move uh, against the Australian Next Stars program. But this was before like NIL money and some of these other things got got into it. And now it's just it just feels like a thing that they're doing because they started doing it. And I, I, I don't really know what they see as their end game with it. But I don't know. Maybe they think they can sell more G League rights if they have these guys too, like, you know, TV or broadcast or whatever. Um, 
As far as the Ignite team, uh, they have they they have too many young guys and not enough veterans and not enough good veterans, and so it's a it's a bad team. And the young guys are their best players. And but it's it's tough to calibrate. But they've actually like Ron Holland and Mattis Buzelis and especially Tyler Smith have actually been more productive than the Ignite players from previous seasons. But it's also a worse overall team. So you kind of try to factor that part in too. They they definitely I mean they got their butts kicked both games this week so probably left a little bit of a negative impression. Uh, Buzelis just didn't do a whole lot. Uh, I'm trying to think. Ron, Ron Holland definitely had his moments where he showed his athleticism and some of the things he could do, especially at the defensive end. Uh, but offensively, was just very. Uh, uh, kind of right-handed, put his head down, try to go to the rim, force a lot of stuff. Yeah. His so, offense kind of reminds me of like Tari Eason a little bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a pretty good comp. Um, and then t- t- Tyler Smith was pretty good. His skill set is probably a little uh, interesting to fit in at the NBA level because he's he's a stretch big, but he's not a real rim protector. But I think also m- maybe people are kind of focusing too much on the specifics of his role and not just like, hey, this guy's really good as at age 19 uh maybe you know maybe there's something there uh so he's he's really interesting to me so the G League showcase historically is where trade scuttlebutt starts to take shape. Yes. You want to have any observations on just what the general feeling is of what this year's market is going to look like? You know, t- talking to people, I mean, they definitely expect some activity because too many teams line themselves up to do stuff at the trade deadline for nothing to happen. But the biggest the biggest issue that we've seen the last couple years is identifying who the sellers are. And the biggest obstacle to that is the play-in. When you have the possibility of 10 playoff spots rather than eight, effectively, then teams that might otherwise say, well, screw it, we got no chance, are instead saying, hey, like we're, we're still in this. I think you see that with three teams in the East in particular, Atlanta, Chicago, and Toronto, all of whom are like keeping each other alive because they can't, uh, they can't, they can't win enough to pull away. And those are the three teams that people I think are looking at the most as far as teams that could put good players on the market and make them available. And I think we, you know, we talked about Siakam and Ananobi with Toronto. In Chicago, obviously you have Zach Levine, and then you also have DeRozan, who's an expiring contract, and you have Alex Caruso, who's a very high level role player. Uh, And then Atlanta, I think is the big wild card because I don't think they expect it to be six games under 500 right now. They, they're still dealing with they have they're in better position with the tax situation but they're still kind of dealing with it going forward because they paid too many guys um they're still out these picks for the murray deal so it's not like they want to tank but i could see them trying to reshape things and perhaps reshape things pretty uh violently uh so i they're they're a really interesting one to watch and i i'm not sure they know exactly what direction they're going to take it yet i think they want to get more games under the bridge first but i think things lots of things are on the table there yeah, I've reacted to what you said about the Hawks, Bulls, and Raptors. Bulls 14 and 18, Hawks 12 and 18, Raptors 11 and 18. That's they're in competition for the 10th seed. I don't see any of them unless there's a big injury catching Brooklyn, Indiana, even Cleveland, who's still somehow 17 and 13. But they'll get Donovan yeah. Mitchell back. Like they'll get some of these guys back at some point. So you're really in competition for the 10th seed. And the 10th seed, I think it's a real advantage for teams that can understand that being 
being the 10th seed is pretty meaningless because it's basically if you've got a one-third chance at the 10th seed and then if you're the 10th seed what a 15 percent chance maybe of actually making the playoffs you know yeah. is that is uh, i mean there's the idea of hey we're playing meaningful basketball you know that's that's sort of a, a that was a buzzword thrown around the now two and 28 detroit pistons that they wanted to play meaningful basketball all season and you know i i guess that does give your fans at least something but not for teams that have already kind of been in the playoffs that feel like they're you know the arrow is headed down as opposed yeah. to okc last year where the arrow was heading up or even a team yeah. like detroit had they been able to get into the mix like that means something for a team that's kind of playing out the string in terms of their roster yeah um yeah so so you think you think the hawks to you seem like maybe more of a i, I mean i guess the hawks have like they're in a situation unlike the bulls the raptors where you could say making a trade could be a retooling rather than a rebuilding yeah 100 percent. yeah like that's why i mean i think you've heard them in conversations about siakam for instance or uh you know could they be they probably don't have enough picks now because they owe the futures for, for ananobi but uh you know so i think looking at different things there uh you know could they could they you've heard Dejounte murray's name now like could, could they do a deal with him and get something back that would make things fit better if they get if they got more of a true wing maybe uh i'm sure they'd like to get off hunter's mi- mistaken extension there uh clint capella yeah. is a name that he, comes he'll up be he'll be back in only two weeks though he's, he's having another like non-surgical procedure on it on his knee which it's been uh he's had a, a few of those 23 <laughs> i think yeah yeah uh well so i think to me trading Dejounte murray to a team that needs a point guard is the way to do it like Dejounte murray to me even though he's improved his shooting has shown that he is not a two in part because he's disappointed in his ability to guard the two uh mm-hmm. in addition to because if you're going to play two you also kind of need to be able to switch on to threes if they run an action between the two and threes too thin to do that and you know he just hasn't been the impact defender they thought that they were trading for who would be like a panacea to their defensive problems on the perimeter i think murray just the fact that he's improved his shooting i think makes him kind of better as a one uh than he was on the trade market initially but you know there's talk about like the knicks trying to acquire him i think that would utterly foolhardy but yes how about this trade, John? Okay. We're probably a little early for these specific trades. Three-way trade, mm-hmm. DeJounte Murray to the Raptors, okay. Siakam to the Pacers, and then picks to the Hawks. Hmm. Huh. I, I just I just don't know if that like I think the Hawks are looking at a lot of stuff. I don't know if trading for picks is is palatable enough for them. Yeah, I mean I'm trying to think if there's a like a player yeah, that Indiana could throw in that would at least be uh you know who who the Hawks could could play could pay you know like four million dollars a year more than he's worth on an extension <laughs> right like, like ob it, Toppin could, could but i mean him. you know would the hawks put matherin in or or, or the pacers put matherin uh, in Pat, matherin I'm and, sorry. and yeah oh no so actually the other guy the other guy to watch actually i've been told to watch uh is is bruce brown there interesting yeah he has this bone bruise in his knee right uh, now v- very tradable contract for whatever reason, just hasn't seemed to totally fit there the way he did in Denver. Uh, so he'd he'd be a guy to to look out for. So yeah, I could actually I could actually see that deal happening with like not just Bruce Brown coming back to to Atlanta, but he'd be kind of the the player part of it. All right, I will add Bruce Brown to my list of potential trade candidates. Uh, in that case, and you probably got to put Obi Toppin in there too. If he's I didn't hear anything about an injury for Obi Toppin, so if he's not starting anymore. That's uh that's interesting. So. 
Yeah, so Atlanta. How about in the West? Are there any any teams? That, I mean, I guess the Utah guys. You know, San Antonio doesn't really have anyone to trade. I guess really it's Utah and Portland who are the teams that have somebody to trade that that uh, might matter. Yeah, those are the ones to watch because a lot of these other teams that are that are kind of in the seven to eleven spot. I mean, they're teams that kind of thought they were all in to win this year. So yeah, could you know could New Orleans do something seismic? You know, decide to move off of Ingram or something? or I, I I don't know just but that that seems a little far-fetched still I think in terms of buyers I think you have Houston and the Lakers who are sitting there with contracts that were specifically designed to be used at the trade deadline I think you have Phoenix uh who acquired these second round picks not because they want to draft in the second round in 2028 right uh they they want to see if they could fortify this uh this ship that's taking on water right now uh so I I think we're gonna have have a lot of interested buyers in the West. The question is who are our sellers going to be? So this was, and you know, some of these buyers have, you know, some seconds or something. They could, I mean, that's obviously going to be one of the biggest things for this trade market is just that a lot of the teams that really want to make additions either have like one first round pick to trade, which is the last one they can trade like Lakers or Dallas, or they are teams that are limited to seconds and even are pretty limited on seconds in the case of Phoenix. But then, you can get some good. Yeah, good. Sorry. The other thing that's going to happen is for some of these expensive teams, this is the last. Uh, this is last call for like aggregating salary or taking on more. Yeah. yeah. Although Golden State clearly wants to get out of it, Clippers that that'll be fascinating to see where they're at. I mean, the fact that they're playing better also makes things kind of interesting. And I actually think that the Dallas Mavericks should probably be a buyer with that 2026 likely 2026 first rounder i think they're playing well enough that anyone can assume that that pick will go to the knicks in 24 and that the 26 pick will be available or it could just it would just roll over to 27 as well because they've traded a 29 first so the the mavs can guarantee at least one first rounder and they've got some swaps available too but i've actually been really encouraged by what we've seen from dante exum and Derek jones jr Junior. Yeah. And they still have Grant Williams, but those guys are playing well that Grant Williams is now coming off the bench. And if they could get a third best player, which I think maybe you could with what they have available and the contract of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Although Tim Hardaway Jr. still is playing an important role for them, it must be noted. Like that could, like the Mavs to me could be right in the mix for like second best playoff team in the West. Because I'm not really an, o- I, uh, I'm, I'm more of an OKC believer. I'm not really a Minnesota believer as far as a, you know, a playoff team. Yeah. So I, like behind Denver, like I think you could, and with, you know, some young guys like Lively and another, I think is Exum under contract for next year. Let me see. I know Jones Jr. is Exum. Yes, non guaranteed next year. Yeah, so they got Jones, both of those Jones, guys. Jones was a one year minimum. I thought. Uh yes, that is correct. Uh, I've always wanted. Yeah, Exum is the guy I was thinking of who, who they have for a non guaranteed next year. Um, yeah, so Jones actually, uh, they might be hard pressed to come up with money to to pay him. You know that that's I've always thought like Jeremy Grant would be a pretty interesting fit with Dallas. Ooh. And I mean, who cares that his contract is bad? Like they have to win now. They're all in on that anyway. Yeah. So that's, that could be an interesting one. You know, even Brogdon could be an interesting fit there too. 
too. So the, yeah, those are kind of the guys who are available from Portland. Maybe you could throw a Matisse Seibel in that. And then obviously Utah, you'd think anyone who's on a significant salary would be available. Lowry Markkinen is an interesting one. Then maybe, maybe we can close on that. What do you think of the idea of Lowry Markkinen being available? I think he's I think he's only available if he can if Ainge can redo the Gobert trade. I think that's just straight fishing expedition, seeing if he can just absolutely bone somebody on a, on another trade. Which. I mean, I don't know though. Like, I think he might be worth it, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I, like, like five firsts. Well, okay. So OKC is the obvious one to me, where I think he would yeah. be an amazing fit with what they have. They need a, a four with some size. Yeah, they have Utah's pick that they could give back to them, which would mm-hmm. be a boon, I would say, for Utah. And they, of course, have have the expiring contract of Bertans. The big thing with Markinen, though, is I don't know if I want to leave Utah. Utah if I'm him because Utah could renegotiate and extend him. Could OKC do that? And they might actually be able to finance wise, particularly if they could get off of Bertans. Uh, it's it's, and it's close. If they, if they could put if they year. could put if they could put Micic in the deal, uh, I think they could probably get there. Well, and maybe also Josh Giddy would be in that deal. Yes, yeah. You know, I, I think who, who really kind of doesn't. Although I don't know if like the optics of trading for Josh Giddy, given some of his personal problems, are uh, uh, that might be something that's difficult, particularly in Utah, for example. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean that that's the biggest thing about it. I think is I think there will be really really good offers for Lowry Mark if it's a team where you feel like he can because like i think okc if they got larry marketing would be like obviously the second best team must have and that would be an amazing core to, they would be to build around. they would be they would be scary as hell yeah without a doubt and you know it may be that Ainge knows that and so is going to try to extract a ridiculous price um yeah, yeah, that's uh, I, but you know, with the optics of doing that, I know Danny Ainge doesn't care about that stuff, but to trade for that guy and then move him again to get more picks, I mean, that's sort of the the optics of the Michael Carter Williams trade with yeah. Sam Hinkie. Like that, I think was the biggest nail in Sam Hinkie's coffin. And obviously, Danny Ainge is not Sam Hinkie, but to trade for like, okay, we got this guy in one of these trades. Great. We're starting to build up again. Oh, wait a minute. Now we're going to trade this guy also. <laughs> I would be very surprised if he gets moved, but there are a lot of teams that particularly OKC because they have all these picks. Like, yeah, I would throw in, you know, four first, including giving Utah's own back and Josh Giddy to go get him. Like who are you getting that's better than him? Yeah, that's in the thing. next you know, three, yeah. four years that's still on a reasonable contract that could actually like he fits perfectly with your the way that you want to play. I'm not sure if there's anyone else that I would project who, who you could also like, you know, potentially renegotiate and extend so you can get him to stay on on a team that's really good. Yeah, I would very seriously consider that as, as mm-hmm. OKC. But it, it does seem like it would just especially the problem, too, is that they have so much stuff that Danny Ainge would be like, OK, I want like literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I want 13 firsts, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, but that that could be, particularly because they could renegotiate and extend him. That would be fascinating. Now, what does their long-term salary look like once, uh, you know, Shea will get a super max and Chad Holmgren will get a max and Jalen Williams would be yeah. close. Like that would be four max players that may be unrealistic. Yeah. But like, I, I'm so interested to see how Sam Presti handles this compared to how he handled that first 
first buildup. Yes. Where he kind of like waited and waited and was patient. And then he went all in on Ennis Cantor and Keanu <laughs> Yeah. And traded James Harden. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're done here? I think so. I we, think I think we're good. Yeah. All right. Well, this is fun. Uh, John and I will be back next week. Still got another episode coming with Danny LaRue and me as well this week. So I hope everyone's having a great holiday and we'll talk to you all again soon. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.